Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. I am Pastor Jesse. I'm the Life Group and Young Adult Pastor here. And I have the privilege of preaching to start the year. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. It's an honor. And I'm excited. I am excited. And we're talking uh, in January about finishing strong. It's kind of funny. We're talking in January about finishing strong. But how many of you know that if you want to finish strong, you have to start the right way? Right? You have to start the right way. Um, A lot of people say the first thing you think about or say or do in the morning really sets the course for your day. And I had heard a tip from somebody, so I just did this. I wrote out a prayer. And so I've been reading this prayer every morning. That's the first thing that I do. It's kind of my prayer to start my day. And it's the same thing with our year. We want to start the right way so we can finish the right way. Well, we're starting with 21 days of prayer and fasting. You have probably heard about this if you've been around a little bit. I want to encourage you to jump in on this. You can text the word disciple to the number that's on the screen. And what's going to happen is you're going to be getting text starting tomorrow, and there's going to be a scripture verse and then a prayer. And what we want to encourage you to do is actually take three different times in your day, starting out these 21 days, and pause for prayer. And we're modeling that after Daniel in the Bible, and he was in the middle of this crazy Babylonian uh, worldly culture. (laughs) Sounds like a little bit like ours today. Crazy worldly culture, right? And he would stop, and he would honor his God. And so we're going to kind of model that and follow that pause. We're recommending maybe 8 a.m., noon, 8 p.m. You pause, you pray, you stop. And uh, so let's, let's do that together. And then just so you know, the last Sunday of that 21 days, which I think is the 22nd, um, is going to be a refresh night. And that's just going to be a church worship and prayer gathering to start the year. So I want to make sure you note that. Well, the title of my message today is Roots. Everybody say Roots. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to your path. And Lord, right now we're asking that you would be glorified. I pray, God, through my preaching, you would be glorified. Through the hearing and the applying of your word, that you would be glorified in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. I had a little bug this weekend, so I told them to bring me the stool, but I had a feeling this would happen. I'm so pumped. I'm pushing back the stool. You guys okay with that? The stool is back, okay, but I got to stick to the notes because there's some good stuff right here. Roots. I do need to make a comment about this title. I pronounce this word roots, but I have heard Another pronunciation since moving to Ohio. Roots. There's a, there's a, like soot, roots. So if you say it that way, you go, you just head up root road till you hit the lake. Uh, I want you to know we're talking about the same thing. Still those things that come from the tree, okay? And then, um, 
just to make sure that you guys know you're at Harvest Ridge, I do have one joke really quick. What happens to trees on Valentine's Day? They get sappy. Pretty good. That was the best tree joke I found. So this summer, uh, I was able to, with the help of Wade Kennedy, is he here? Yes, Wade and uh, my son Caleb and I, we took out a bunch of trees in my backyard. They weren't huge trees. Probably took down eight trees. Uh, somebody gave me a chainsaw. Chainsaws are fun. And I think I have a picture. Yeah, look at There's Caleb. Caleb uh, helped us take down those trees. And it was fun. It feels good to clear out some things in the backyard. But I want you to note something. We took down those trees. In fact, it was funny. It went so fast. It's amazing. You got, you're looking at seven trees, and then an hour later, zoop, those things are gone. But you know we didn't take down? The roots. The roots. Right? The roots. I mean, you can do a lot to the above ground. But getting to those roots, that would be a whole different ball game. And my fence isn't even big enough to get some of that stuff back there to pull it out. And that's a whole different ball game. And here's kind of what I want to call us to to start the year is to try to develop this faith that has deep roots that goes deep. So there can be a lot that happens above the surface. The storms of life and everyday temptations can come. Testing can come. It can come at you. But where you know that you are so deeply rooted in Christ that you can say, you can look at the devil in the eye and say, you, can, you might be able to trim off some of those branches up here, but you can't touch my roots because it's deep, and it's in Christ. Here's my concern. My concern for the church today, this is a concern I have for myself And the moments when I step back, is that we have allowed our lives to become a mile wide, but an inch deep. And I would say our lives and our faith, they mirror each other. Our faith can be a mile wide. We've watched all the apologetics YouTube videos, and we've done all these things, but the depth, the depth, I'm preaching to myself. This probably started hitting me two and a half months ago, preaching to myself, and something will come in, and and you're looking down to see what you're going to grab onto. Man, there's not a lot of depth there. Can we stand in honor of God's word? We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 20 through, 22 through 27. Matthew chapter 7, 22 through 27. It's funny because the verses preceding where we're going to go are actually about fruit and trees. And, and, and it, you'd almost think it was there. And, and I kept reading it, and I was like, no, I kept having to stay right here. So let's look at these uh, six verses together. This is Jesus speaking. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers, 
of lawlessness. Now, I want to pause right there. We're actually going to come back to this portion of Scripture at the end of today, but that is scary. That's one of the scariest verses in the Bible for me. I don't know if I could comment, uh, critique it, turn it a little bit to make it not scary. It's scary. It is. But what I love is I think the grace of God is, let's keep seeing, because I think Jesus is giving an answer to the fear that he might have placed in us in those words. Therefore, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the chainsaw came on oh, it. That's <laughs> the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We pray, God, you would add your grace, your anointing, your spirit would work through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. And you guys can be seated. The wise builder. How many people want to be the wise builder? And yes, here it talks about the foundation, but if it's okay with you, we're just going to kind of borrow that and go with roots. Roots, same thing. It's that underneath, the underpinning, what's holding down the fort, the behind the scenes, if you will. In 2022, I felt the Lord clearly gave me a word for our church, and I shared it, I know, at the refresh night last year, maybe a couple other times, maybe some people individually. It was very simple. It's a year of harvest, a year of harvest. I can remember where I was driving on Avon Belden when the Spirit kind of whisked through my car, and that voice and that tenderness settled in my heart, a year of harvest, and I was able to just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I really believe if I was to look back, if you were to look back at this year in our church, I believe that word came to pass. Baptizing 50 people and seeing the church grow every ministry across the board. Amen. The year of harvest. You know, God, he, can we just say this for a moment? He wants to go from glory to glory. He is a God who wants to go from more to more. He's the God who wants you to be full, and then there's still 14 basketfuls left over. I just got to say this real quick. One time, God was teaching me about how he has always leftovers, and it was crazy because he sometimes God does this, not all the time, but whatever I was doing, there was always a bunch left over that week. So I went, I needed a Gatorade, I opened my fridge, I mean my trunk, there was 24 Gatorades. I'd go over, I needed a pen, I'd open my drawer, there was 12 pens, and it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, listen Jesse, there's more, you don't, you haven't even scratched the surface, you're an inch deep, I'm an ocean, there's always more. He, he is the God of harvest, he always wants that. But I am getting a, a different stirring in my spirit for this year. And 
uh, Pastor Kevin has used the word disciple. And I really believe that what, what God is saying is this year, what if instead of spreading ourselves a mile wide and an inch deep, we went a mile deep with God and left the results to him? Can you catch this vision? What I hear God saying is, okay, I am moving. I want you to take your eyes off the fruit at the tips of the branches. And I want you, come on, somebody. I want you to look, instead of looking out at what can I do? What's the next thing I can take on? What's the next project? What's the next business venture? Where am I going? Where's the vacation? What are we doing? We're producing. We're taking our eyes off that. And we're looking straight down into the ocean of God. And we're going to drill deep this year and discipline ourselves to go after him. Even if we feel like we are the only one, the only one, we're going to push and push into his grace until we hit that breakthrough. We're going to go deep. And as we push our roots deep in him, we'll let him then bring the increase. What if this year, instead of spreading ourselves out a mile wide and being an inch deep, let's go a mile deep with God and leave the results to him. I'm talking about roots that are deep, roots that touch the depth of Christ, roots that will help you finish strong, roots that will take you deeper into the things of God, roots that get into his ocean. How many want to know him more? I want to know him more. I am so surprised sometimes. This is what I believe God does. You get to know him. You start to feel like, I really am getting a grasp on who he is. Then he lets the bottom drop out, and you realize there is so much more to who he is. In fact, I've kind of been learning. I'm not saying I've arrived at this understanding, but that's almost how he reveals himself. He draws you in, and then sometimes he'll even let a trial happen. So you have to seek him, and you're like, oh, wow, you're even more than I thought. Romans eleven thirty three, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. So what I'd like to do in our remaining few minutes is give you three roots that God has really put on my heart to uh, push us toward this year. Now, there's a lot of roots Obviously, the root, the foundation is Christ and his word. But there's a lot of spiritual disciplines. One of them that I don't have is the word of God. That's a, that's a root, right? There's lots of roots, lots of disciplines. But there's three I want to highlight for us this morning and just kind of set the tone for this year with these three things. The first one is this. The first root is Prayer. Prayer. Matthew 6.33, your father who sees what is in secret will reward you. He sees what's in secret. He knows your pain. He knows your cries. He knows your tears. He knows, knows those of you who have been calling to him for years. He hears. He sees. He knows. He's attentive 
when you turn your affection, it doesn't even have to be through words, when you turn your attention to him, he notices. Prayer is a conversation with God. If your prayer life has grown stale or gotten boring, I think you need a new definition of prayer. Prayer is exciting. Prayer is fun. Prayer is, prayer is when you get to pull God up next to you. He already is next to you, but you realize he's there. And you talk to him. This is kind of how I envision it. I need a, I need a volunteer. I think I need Tom Zenos. Can you help me real quick? I'm picking Tom because we look like each other. <laughs> and I felt like the churches needed this moment. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. We were texting last night. I said, if you dress close enough to me, you can just do the second point of the message. <laughs> but here's what I do. <clears throat> Tom, thanks for volunteering. I, I really, <clears throat> I picture... Catch this with me, because this is how I do it. Works for me. I picture Jesus as a person who is with me at all times. It takes the religion out of it. It brings the personality into it. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm turning, and I'm looking into the eyes of Tom. <laughs> uh, it's so funny when you bring a volunteer. You try to be serious. But... But I am, I'm in, in, immediately when I open my eyes, I'm in this conversation. I'm in this conversation. Here's, here, oh, I'm remembering that meeting. I'm remembering that conversation. I'm remembering the thing I got to do today. I'm talking to Jesus about it. He, and he's with me at the breakfast table. He's with me when my kid, I'm getting my kids dressed. I get in the car. He's sitting shotgun with me. There's moments in the day where I get excited. So I'm thanking him. There's moments when I get exhausted. I'm just resting. Jesus, I need you. Come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. I need you right now. Help me. There's moments where I think this is beautiful. You just know that he's there. We don't have to talk. There's no pressure. He's not beating me up. He's just with me. One of the best promises is he's with you wherever you go. Yes, he's leading you, but he's also your rear guard in case you take that left turn. So he's with you. Thank you, Tom, so much. You can give it up for Tom. <clears throat> I, I really believe that if you want to take your prayer life to the next level, you have to see it as a relationship. Like a marriage, it's that constant communication. Let me throw out some practicals to you. This year, you're, you, you said, yes, I want to deepen my prayer life this year. Pray and walk. If it's over 20 degrees, strap up, put some steps to it. Walk and talk to him. Pray like you're having dinner with Jesus. You know, he said, he said to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house to have dinner with you. 
Then in Revelation, it says, he stands at the door and knocks. If anyone will let him in, he doesn't just want you to pray a prayer of salvation. He wants to dine with you. Here's what I am getting at. And there's a scripture. Jesus is the one that said it. Don't think that you're heard by your long prayers, but I'm going to step just a little deeper and I'm actually going to challenge you to pray long this year. Set aside a dinner date with Jesus. I think for our church, this moment right now, it's time to go past the drive-through prayers. Now, don't misunderstand me. We need the drive-through prayers, right? How many need the, the call for help to him? But it's time to go past the drive-through prayer where you sit with him. You pull up that chair. You have dinner with him. You know what I started to do? I would set a timer. I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. Never done that. I would set a timer because I wanted to be with him longer. Rachel and I found something out. We call it the 10-minute breakthrough. We both had this, this realization a few years back that the first 10 minutes of prayer for us, we would get with God. It would be hard. We'd have to be wrestling. We'd feel anxious, kind of bumping and into things. And then there'd be this 10 minutes, poof, it'd be like this grace. And we would just start to abide and talk to him and feel just a, like our spirit had settled enough to get with the spirit of God. So go, go longer, go deeper. Pray instead of eating the fourth cookie. I don't think I need to expound. But what I, what I mean is this, and you guys are smart enough to understand. Three cookies is okay. But then be satisfied in him with that instead of that fourth cookie. Pray the car ride. Pray the space between the action. Pray the space between the appointment and the calling, the next calling he's given you. Talk with him. Pray in silence. Wait on him. Be still and know that he is God. Pray and fast. I think this is what I would call the secret weapon of the Christian life. A lot of weapons we have, but the secret weapon of the Christian life if there's something you cannot get through, you can't break through it. You don't know. You don't have an ounce of wisdom. Pray and fast. We, we have a good opportunity for that. 21 days right here. Make your work a prayer to God. Know that you're, you're in that marriage. You're in the conversation, even when you can't audibly pray. And, and your prayer to God is... Like looking at your boss and saying, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this unto you. And then finally, pray with others. Find a prayer partner. Pick a night that you and your spouse hold hands and pray together. Pray with other people where two or more are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. We have a Saturday morning prayer group, 830 to 930 right there in the chapel. And I want to put out a challenge to you to be a part of this prayer hour. There, there's nowhere I see in scripture where prayer or intercession is a specific gifting. I believe that God calls all to pray for the church. 
to pray. And so I'm going to make the challenge specific. I'm just going to put this out there. If Harvest Ridge is your home church, I'm going to challenge you this year, this year, 2023, to come once a month to the hour of prayer. We have one hour of prayer at this church. Could you come once a month, if this is your home church, and kind of take up your post covering this church in prayer? Prayer helps us get to know Christ. It's the life. It's kind of the fun, the the personality, the lifeblood of a deep-rooted faith. The second root is discipling our children. Discipling our children. Psalm 128.3 says, Your wife will be a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. I just had to put that verse in there because my wife and I have five kids. So I was like, that, I was just predetermined. If I get to preach again, this verse is just getting in there. But I do, I like the wording there, like olive shoots around your table. I started thinking about this. The next generation is the deepest part of our lives because when they are gone, when when we are gone, they will be all that is left. If you really pause and think about it, the deepest part of our faith in Christ is our children in the next generation. Because when our tree is gone, and even our roots are pulled up and out, the only thing that will be left is the next generation and our children. So our investment in them is actually putting our roots deeper. Probably the deepest point. Here's some things I want to encourage you. Rachel and I have been saying this to each other a lot. Children are a blessing, not a burden. Children are a blessing, not a burden. Dads, I want to speak to the dads. Can, can all the dads in the room just stand just for just a moment? If you have kids, <clears throat> two things. Two things. I want to speak to you, one man to another, just an encouragement to start this year. Number one, return to your house. And that is not a rebuke. That's where you want to be. You want to be there. Dwell there with your heart, your attention, your love. Remain there. Return there. And second is speak. Speak. You you have the Lion of Judah roaring inside of you. And and here's the thing. You might feel this way, that you need to be talkative. You don't need to be talkative. But when that lion rises up and you need to say something, you say it. You say it. You say it. At At the dinner table, read a scripture. If, if, if your daughter is about to run out of the house and you're looking at her outfit and that lion is, is rising up, you say, 
Honey, I prefer you not wear that. Speak. Speak. You have the spiritual authority. God has, God has all authority and he's given it to you. And I just want to encourage you this year to walk in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Dads, you can be seated. <clears throat> you know, I, I've been trying to be present. A lot of that is being present. Just like we crave the presence of God in our lives, our children crave our presence in their lives especially fathers, because we want our father's presence. Moms, you're often stuck. You're like, I got to be present. <laughs> and uh, so I was, um, I was just asking God to help me, because my mind will wander. I'm with my kids, but I'm not with them. And I felt like God said, look in their eyes. Look in their eyes. I've been really working on doing that. Looking into my kids' eyes. I think I got some pictures of my kids. Yeah, just I had to get them in there. Looking and look at Josie's eyes. Look, I I stared so long into Harper's eyes. There's Harper. You can go shoot through these. There's Caleb. Millie. Rachel straightened her hair. Our little Gabriel. Harper, Christmas shopping for mom. I encourage you, and if you don't have kids, the, the children that are around you, your nieces, your nephews, look into their eyes. The people, the people that are around you, the people that are you're leading on your team, those are, you could call them your children. They're the next generation, the people coming up behind you. Look at them, be present, invest in them. If you want your kids to have the best odds of becoming lifelong Christ followers. Give your children to God. Give, give them to him. Dedicate them to him. We can't save our kids, and we will do more damage if we try to hold on to them. Give them over to him. Everything is safe, which we commit to him. And nothing is really safe which is not so committed. That's a quote from A.W. Tozer. And then I think it's actually easier to pray for your kids when you have given them over to God. The things that God has, that, that, that we have entrusted to God, it's almost like he more strongly entrusts to us because he knows that that we are, we are holding it to him and we're following what he's asking us to do. And so I encourage you, after you have known that you have given your kids to God, pray for them. God gave me this verse to pray for my children. Luke 22, 31 and 32. Jesus was saying these words, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And so what I've begun to do is put my children's names in here. 
And Jesus was talking about his disciple, Simon. So I'm, I'm praying, Harper, Harper, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have prayed for you, Harper, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Can we pray this right now over the children of Harvest Ridge? God, right now, we, we take all the children of Harvest Ridge Church, this next generation you've entrusted to us. And we know that Satan has asked to sift each of them like wheat, but we have prayed for them, our children, by name, that their faith would not fail, and that when they have turned back, they would strengthen others to be saved as well. In Jesus' name. And so, children... Investing, discipling our children, that's our root to set in the ground. And the third one is very simple. The third one is rest. Rest. Make it your goal this year to set a, 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 a discipline of rest in your life. Isaiah 30, 15, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Can we be a church that has some of it? <laughs> Come on. Can we get some of it? He's saying, you're trying to fight your own battles. The battle belongs to me. I remember I was 18 years old and I was at youth group. I think I had just gotten there. I'm talking to my best friend, Austin. And we're talking to each other, probably joking around. We, we did the video announcements. So maybe we were you know, laughing about what video announcements we had done that Monday that we're going to be showing at youth group. And all of a sudden, my emotions just take over. I start crying. Well, like laughing, and then I'm crying. And I'm, I'm like looking at him, like, I'm 18 years old. What am, what's going on? And I sit down, and um, I kind of got out to the lobby, eventually to the car, and I realized that I had not let myself take a break for, I think, a long, long, long time. And I did not have the emotional awareness to rest. And so it just hit me. I, I believe, if I recall correctly, I ended up leaving youth group, going home, probably taking a nap, and I was cooked. And I was thinking about it as I was preparing this message. And I asked myself, was it the tennis team? that I was practicing with? Was it leading the Christian club at my high school? Was it the ping pong club I had started? Was it my spot on the youth group leadership team? Was it my part-time job at the inflatable party zone? <laughs> Pump it up, it was called. That was before airtime took over. Was it hanging out with my friends? Was it reading through the whole Bible with a friend that year? Was it the extra hours playing FIFA? Was it preparing for our Universal Studios trip? Was it church softball? Was it rec basketball? Was it roller hockey? 
You get my point. A mile wide, an inch deep. I still have to fight that so much in my life. I, I have found this about myself. I am a sprint crash person. Passion, zeal, sprint, crash. Here we go, here we go, crash. And so I'm asking God to help me to build rhythms in my life of rest. Of rest. I'm learning through these years that our soul is like a garden. My soul is like a garden. It needs tending. It needs recreation. It needs downtime. It needs rest. One of the things that has been, become so valuable for me is taking a Sabbath. Taking a Sabbath lets the ground of our soul rest. Without that rest, we become unproductive because the ground is overused. Those, those plants need soil that has rested in order for them to grow. Sometimes you need to step back and just let it grow. Rest positions us to have an enduring faith. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. We have to pace ourselves. Rest enables us to hear the voice of God and live at the steady pace of the Spirit. Rest helps us to turn down the noise of the world and all the things going on and listen to God's leading. Rest is a discipline. It's so weird to say that. Seems like rest, you just do it. Just, just chill. But it's a discipline. It's a discipline to sit in a chair and put your phone down for a few minutes. Letting your mind rest. I've been, I've been, as I've been putting Caleb to bed lately, you know, he's, he gets up on his top bunk and he starts doing somersaults. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's bedtime. Ding! Gymnasium has started. And he's doing somersaults back and forth. And then I'll be trying to tell him a story and he's kicking his leg against the wall. And I have found myself lately looking at him and saying, Caleb, you, you have to let yourself rest. You have to let yourself rest. I'll look at him in the eyes and say, Caleb, trust God with your life. Trust God with tomorrow. Let yourself rest. Take some deep breaths with me. Little does Caleb know that <laughs> I typically have to go out of that room once all the kids are sleeping and do that with myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm angry. I'm fired up. Come on, parents. You know the bedtime. I'm, I'm mad. I'm, I, I, I'm, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's been an hour and a half. And now I'm saying, okay, let yourself rest. Give your life to God. You know, I have found a secret gem in Scripture that has really helped me. I mean, when I'm on that point of exhaustion, like that moment I talked about when I was 18, you, that, that, that panic, that anxiety, the to-do list is too long, there's too much. I don't know, I don't, there's something theological. I don't understand, God, why this happened. Where, why am I here? Where am I going? What's, what's going on? We get to these moments 
And I found this Psalm 131. It's three verses. I don't have it written word for word, but my heart is not haughty. Neither do I think about things too wonderful for me. Like a weaned child with its mother, my soul is content within me. Psalm 131, you might want to write it down. I mean, it's been a grace for my life. Sometimes I just, everything it takes in me to just fall into a chair and get on that page, Psalm 131. And I just try to say it slowly. Rest, the root of rest, sets ourselves up to have an enduring faith. I want to close by going back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me you workers of lawlessness. Maybe that describes you in a way. A mile wide. You've done this. You've done this. Been running, been running, been running, even doing things in God's name. I mean, I, I don't recall the last time I drove out a demon. Maybe today it would be Lord, Lord, did I not serve on the greeting team at church and do this and do that? I came from a religious family. I was a good person. But he says this, and this is the spot in the verse that I want to dwell on for a moment. He said, I never knew you. And so to resolve this whole thing, all the, the fear or conviction or whatever this verse brings up inside of you is just to say, God, know me. Just know me. You know what I believe the secret is? We are all workers of lawlessness. The question is not whether or not you and I are workers of lawlessness. I am a sinner. Chief of sinners. Call me Jesse Jackwagon. But it's whether or not we open ourselves up and say, God, know me. I'll, I'll surrender. To you, God, know me. And, and his response is to show us the cross, the most intimate moment in history, where he says, I do know you. I know you because all of the specific sins and rebellions in hard parts of your heart 
I took upon myself. I became sin. Who knew no sin. I became you. He knew us right there. And then when you realize what he did for you, it's so simple to say, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. You don't have to fix it. Just forgive me and know me. Can everybody bow your head right now? And I, I'm asking if, if today is the day that you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am not talking to people who are already in relationship, who have already called out to God to know them. I'm talking about this is new for you. God has been drawing you, but today is the day you need salvation and you need to know God and begin a conversation with Him. And you want to say, God, please know me. And I believe that you did die on the cross and you did rise again. If that's you, can you please raise your hand right now? If today is the day he's been drawing you and you want to say to him, know me, So I don't believe I saw any hands. So I'm going to say a simple prayer and then I have one more call. Father, we thank you that most of this church, we are in this honest moment, we're saying, God, we've said, we know me. We've said that to you. And we thank you for the cross. We're thankful right now in this moment in Jesus' name. Now, can everybody stand with me? And I want to make one more call and appeal to you. And I will, I will mention this. If, if, you, if you have just begun your journey with Christ, maybe you didn't raise your hand just now, but it's the past few weeks, few months, we have a new believers table in the back. Pastor Matt will be back there. We have a Bible. We have a card for you that will help you out. We are starting a new believers class uh, once a month in January's. So we'd love to make sure you're connected on that. But here's my call. If you have been in that place where you would say, I am a mile wide, but an inch deep. If you are having an honest moment right now and you're saying, I am a mile wide, and an inch deep. Here's what I believe that God was speaking to me as I've been meditating on this for over two months is that there's this sticking point, this inch deep past salvation, there's this sticking point. And, and, and you've, many of you have hit it and if it, 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 oh, you're hitting it. And you've even tried to get into your prayer time 
sit in that chair that the preachers talk about. But you've run into this shame and this guilt. There's, there's this anxiety. And you, you can barely even be alone with yourself. You're hitting something. I think it's, it's this lie that God really isn't good. And, and I'm just speaking from my own experience. This is what I run into, is the shame, the guilt, and, and going deep with God, really waiting on Him. And I'm, I'm cringing and saying, He's probably, what did I do wrong this time? He, he probably wants to take something from me. He probably is going to mix it, change it all up. He probably wants to mess with me in some way. And what I have found as I have broken some of that ground is the enemy is trying to get me to buy this lie that he fed to Adam and Eve that God isn't good. And we, when we take a step back and we rest and we say, God, you're good. Whatever you have for me is good. You are good all the time. Your mercy is new. I can trust when I dive into you and go deep that it's glory and goodness and mercy and rest and blessing. We, we, we want to make sure that the root, that inch deep root, isn't sin. It's the goodness of God. We're not focusing on our sin. We're focusing on His goodness. So if that's you, and you say, I've been stuck at this inch. There's something. There's a sticking point right there. And this year, I want to go deep. Then we're going to worship together. If you want to step toward the altar, you can do that. And we're going to sing this song and just go deep this year with God.